0: Coming to you from Las Vegas, this is the Bar Stars Happy Hour, a show for bar people by bar people. We'll get to know different bar stars from around the globe and serve up tips, tricks, and the untold tales of the industry. So whether you sling drinks in a bar or just enjoy a round or two, join us for Happy Hour because this pod's for you. What's going on in the kitchen? What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bar Stars Happy Hour Podcast. My name is Tom Alley. This is episode number 37. Um, If this is your first time listening, thank you very much. Uh, Visit barstarspodcast.com to see all the archived content, all the archived episodes. And let me just tell you, there's some amazing ones just like this one today that you can go back and just binge listen. You do it with TV shows, you can do it with podcast episodes binge it out that's where you would go to send us an email and say listen give us some this or that or ask some bar opinions or even business advice or you know cocktail creations and recipes we'll help you out with whatever we can make sure and follow at bar stars podcast on instagram as well for all of our content and we got some cool stuff coming out but this one today is a really cool story so a good friend of the show and a former guest a mr brian brewbaker out of detroit Uh, gets a hold of me and says, Tom, you and Jackie need to have this dude on the show. Uh, He's got a cool story. You won't believe half of it, um, but you definitely got to have him on the show. He lives. I'm down here with him right now in Atlanta. uh, And I said, Jackie, well, since we started this thing, Atlanta's been our number two city the whole time. So um, I said, hell yeah, let's bring him on the show and get to talking to him. So we are joined today by mr aaron pierce how are you my friend thank you for coming on happy hour
1: absolutely man thanks for having me guys i'm very excited to uh to be a part i've uh i've been a fan of your show since uh, almost day one so Aww,
0: cool
2: it's, it's wonderful
1: cool. to be a part
0: we get a lot of people that say you know you got to have this person on you got to have this person on and it's it's cool we want to have these people on you know and and but we want to keep the level like this. You are a bar star, you know. This is what we're gonna do. We're not just gonna interview everybody. So the people that we bring on, we want to be stars. And damn, dude, like you, I'm talking street performer to circus performer to flare bartender to now woodworking. I mean, we're gonna get into all of it. So,
2: ah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna start because I'm so excited about this. Just like former acrobat and aerialist myself, like circus. You've got to tell us about this.
1: Uh, well, I guess I'll start with my parents' background because obviously, um, kind of my talent came from somewhere. Uh, they grew up. Um, I'll keep it the short version, but they met, um, basically through chance and uh, became mimes. So they're actually they were professional mimes for 35 That's years. So freaking and they
2: cool!
1: Performed um all over the world, from Thailand to uh, South Korea, all over Europe. Um, South america um so they they did that and performed during this kind of golden age of um you know variety show um uh style and when you know performing was big nowadays it's um the age of technology is kind of like taken away from that live sort of uh performance um aspect, but back then it was huge, and they performed uh kind of everywhere um And then, so I grew up, I have an older brother, um, and I grew up with them and quickly, you know, kind of took to, um, doing not, not so much the mime stuff, but I really took to juggling. Um, uh, my dad taught me kind of that when I was about six or seven years old, um, and kind of just ran with it, um, and would be kind of bit parts. Uh, me and my brother would kind of be bit parts here and there in, uh. In different shows And then uh, Kind of just expanded From From there I started uh, You know Getting really good At um, Performing um, Me and my father Then kind of Toured Together um, For a number of years uh, Doing Fairs Festivals um, Nice Colleges All kinds of stuff So um, Yeah it was, it was Kind light. of a family thing Yeah um, It kind of How I got into it Um so, so that's yeah. so
2: cool most people don't necessarily consider the arts as like a viable thing and i totally disagree with that i mean i just i feel like it provides so much enjoyment to other people it's a service just like anything else is and it's so cool when you're involved in it too because it's like that i know i mentioned this before i'm a big friends fan it's like the selfish thing because yes it's for other people but it's also for you. If you love it then it's like this is my job. Like wow like, I have there's no selfish good yeah. deed, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. My dad um actually just recently reti- retired but he his uh his last leg was he was actually performing um with the Big Apple Circus Clown Care Unit um which basically goes into children's hospitals um oh. and oh, cool. cheers up like the you know, the term of the old children, cancer and patients, all, the kids, and stuff like that. all that stuff. Yeah. That's and he amazing. did that. He did that for about 10 years, um, up until last year, actually. Um, and he was getting up in age. And then when COVID hit, it was kind of just that time because they yeah. obviously they had to pull everybody out. And, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, he would come home, um, you know, uh, in tears because of um, his job. But he went, you know, twice a week and enjoyed every minute of it. And, you know, I've always looked up to him um it didn't pay the best but it was something that he truly loved doing and uh that's something that I've always believed in as well
0: I think that's important like a lot of I think a lot of circus quote-unquote circus performers get a bad rap almost for being like it like it's not a skill or like you have a natural um something holding you back or a deformity or something weird like that that like that's you're a part of the circus like you're one of the weird people but like there's really really talented people in the circus
2: that's bullshit i that's funny you're right (laughs) i've heard that but i've never seen it that way i feel like it's almost a way to celebrate what's different about you and dude it's like don't try this at home like you want to make fun of people try some of that stuff yourself like there's no way you can do it no way you know
1: yeah and i think the um I mean, and, and there's so many different aspects of it, too, if you want right. to, I mean, we won't dive straight into it, but like from Cirque to like your family circus, like the Pickle Circus to like Big Apple Circus, um, you know, you have like Cirque, for instance, are people that are, those are highly coveted positions. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. It's like they get also get paid a lot more. Um, but those people are like professionals from, you know, worldwide ranked right. you know, jugglers and and acrobats and stuff like that um whereas you know street performers and stuff like that are you get a little bit more quirkiness i would say um kind of from that circus sideshow uh aspect of it which is you know has its own i i one of my favorite places is key west for street performing um and uh before pre covid um you know you could go down there and and just sit on the streets and uh, on duval street and watch you know just people who are insanely talented who could probably be in Cirque, but they choose, you know, I don't want to do sure. corporate bullshit. Um, yeah. I'd yeah. like to just, uh, you know, be my own boss. And, and those guys actually make a fuck ton of money. Um, but
0: yeah, See, there's so many people, talented people on street corners. And, you know, like Jackie and I were in DC not too long ago, last year, pre COVID. And like, we come up from a subway on the middle of, I would say a downtown, like by the arena in Washington, DC. Like Capital
2: One, yeah,
0: And, there's this like three four piece band of dudes using like like old paint drums and all this stuff, like one guitar and they were like you would think you're in a music hall. Like they're just rocking out, they're jamming and they're just on a street corner trying to make a little money. And I'm like, damn, you could put those in a bar right now, like across the street, and they would rock it, they would kill it. But there's so I much I feel like
2: Venice, California is good for that too. Obviously. Like you stroll around on the beach and there's like dancers and just people that have got the weirdest skills. And you just... I love it. I love that stuff, though. It's fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, Whistler. I lived in Vancouver for a little while up in uh, Canada. Um, and Whistler is actually one of my favorite places on this planet. But they have amazing street performers as well. I mean, it's it's everywhere. Um, you know, Baltimore has got kind of a strong following. Um, so it's, it's not as prevalent as it was, obviously. Um, but busking is definitely... Uh, something that I, you know, every every time you can ask my uh, girlfriend. Every time I walk by anybody on you know, a street corner that's performing at any point, it's the only reason I carry cash is right. know, <laughs> throw something in there. Um, and uh, and they're support.
0: probably
2: one of the few that still accept cash. I think oh. people
0: in the bar industry just carry. I love carrying cash, and it's just there's so many people that aren't now, but people that are in a tipping profession or they they like to tip. I mean, I think they still use cash, but a lot of people are going straight to card. You mentioned uh, street performing, so were you da- juggling? Were you dancing? Were you fire? Like, what kind of street performances would you do, or kind of cool so stuff? What do, do you, you prefer? Do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know there's a uh, wide range, so
1: there, yeah, uh, I learned a bunch of different skills. Um, you know, anything from like basic magic to a uh, rolling globe, which is um, when you're kind of on a uh, Basically, a big ball, um, walking ladder, stuff like that. The two things that uh, interest me most were juggling, um, and that includes clubs, torches, knives, chainsaws, babies. Um, <laughs> Shut up! This is so hey, cool. baby. Um, just Get kidding. babies. <laughs> uh, but everything else, that was true. Uh, one of, uh, and also rollabola. Um, I was very uh, proficient on, which is basically I think the cool kids call it an Indo board now. Um, it's basically just a board with a cylinder underneath and you balance on top of it. Um,
2: oh, I've always wanted to try that. I feel like the dancer in me thinks it's easy and I would fall on my face. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, and also unicycling. Um, that was a a huge, um, yeah. One of my first competitions for flair bartending, um, it was just a local one in Athens and it was No offense to the other participants. This was fourteen years ago. But um they were all kind of just local Athens college bartenders. Sure. And then I came on and rode a unicycle across the bar while juggling like three bottles. Um,
2: (laughs) This everyone's like, we gotta go. This one's (laughs) a wrap.
1: (laughs) So um but yeah, that was one of my first uh first competitions was riding a unicycle across the bar. Um and yeah, that's yeah, I I've always enjoyed um, doing it. Um, there's different ones you can have. I used to have a one that was uh, 8 foot tall. Um, uh, Holy I had, shit. Yeah, I had a couple of those, actually. Um, and then there's other ones that are like have huge wheels on them. I've never owned one, but there's uh, one that has a 36-inch 36, 36 wheel. It's called the big one, and you can go like 45 miles an hour um, <laughs> I on would a die. unicycle. I would kill myself. Um, I feel
2: like... Uh, our friend Vate, you may have listened to the episode. I feel oh. like I can hear, <laughs> see him being like, like, his wheels are turning. Like, I got to get me one of these unicycles and try it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. I listened to that episode. Um, and I was like, come on, man, take the motor off. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> nice. um,
0: that's funny. I have you? never
2: seen anybody do a flare competition on a unicycle. That's, that's badass.
0: Hey, you gotta use your strengths, you know? If something that's different, absolutely use it.
2: Tom, you gotta try that. This would be funny.
0: Oh, I would break myself. <laughs> um in terms of juggling, um, the type of juggling you do, and it's been an ongoing thing, and bartender's juggling is two different things, two different grips. Yeah. It's it's always been looked at differently. It's always I I, I know when I was learning how to juggle and you know i was competing with the christian and rodrigo del Peches of the world and all these guys were really getting into juggling they were looking at the like the anthony Gattos of the world and trying to see, emulate what they do but not underhand but overhand right is, is that different for you and do you find it to be any different and what's actually more difficult underhand or overhand
1: um i gotta say it depends on the object but for me i well i guess i'll tell you this story because it kind of leads into it um how i got into flair was i was uh performing at the north charleston arts festival uh when i was 16 and um i some guy came up to me i was riding my unicycle around just doing some walk around playing to the crowd stuff like that and uh, he came up to me and was like oh hey i can i can i try to ride a unicycle and like Ninety nine out of a hundred people that come up and do that are just full of shit, and so I was <laughs> like, like, "Okay, get off dude, my bike, man. <laughs> cool, man, whatever." Here, take it. And he like was good at it, and so I started talking to him, and he was like, "I used to do." His name's Peter Nickel. Um, he 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 was like, "Oh, I used to do all that um crazy shit, and then I got into like kind of took it into bartending." Um, and I was like, "That's good." And that was like the first I'd never heard of flair bartending before that. Sure. Um. So I was like, Oh, that's that's really cool. So I was you know, I was performing with my dad at this in, you know, out of state. Um and he invited us to his bar that he was working at um in Charleston and uh I was like, Okay, well okay. so we went the next day and I walked in and granted I was sixteen, I don't know if he knew I was knew gonna or say sixteen he, in he, a bar this is I don't great. know if he knew and it was like not a restaurant. This was like a twenty one and up bar. Right. Yep. Um uh, the ice house in Somerville it's one of my favorite bars actually um still to this day, um but I walked in and saw him flip a napkin, put it on his hand, and put it on the bar and The way that he um like just stood there and everyone gravitated toward his presence right um and everyone was locked in. I just fell in love with that because that's kind of what I you know got off on performing wise sure um except this was more of an intimate setting. Um, so I walked in, I think he served me a yingling, still don't know if he (laughs) knew I was 21 or if he cared. Probably didn't Um, care. We're past the statute (laughs)
2: of limitations for prosecution on that one. We're good.
1: Um, so then he invited me to his house, uh, that afternoon or evening, I really forget, but I went over to his house and like, this gets ties into the grip, I guess, because he... He had, I had never picked up a flare bottle and he gave me these, uh, you know, the practice flare co ones, um, and was like showing me how to do it overhanded. And I was like, okay. And for me, it was just, I've been manipulating objects my entire life. So for me, it was just a different way to manipulate it. So within two and a half minutes, I was juggling four. Flare bottles, <laughs> nice. and he's looking at me like I'm. You're an asshole. <laughs> he's like, "What? You've done this before?" Like, and was just like stunned. But the six at that point, I think I told him I was 16, and he was just like, "Try okay." And then he went and got like tins and was like, "Okay, try this, try that, try that." And for me, it was like, you know, it was different objects, but again, I had been manipulating those different weights and stuff like that. It's right. it's hard to explain it, but once you like become proficient at um, throwing shit in the air and catching it, like different objects, you just kind of feel them and you kind of know where they're going to go. Right. It's um, like you have
2: a basic technique. So changing the object or changing the style is just, just a different way of doing what you know how to do.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, I wouldn't say it was definitely challenging. And the number one, once I got into like competitions and stuff and people like kind of knew my background, I didn't want to be considered like the, circus juggling flair guy because i thought there was like i didn't want to be that so i try i like worked really hard on any technique and didn't put any like type of like overhand uh um or underhand i guess throws into my uh, routine tried to stay away i even did i didn't even throw four bottles into in a competition until like i don't know two years into competing just because i didn't want to be considered a juggler right
0: um, but then when everybody else started doing it, you're like, "Okay, bitches, like here we go." <laughs> well, now I gotta <laughs> throw it. <laughs> That's so funny, man. I um, I just remember everything, like especially here in Vegas when juggling kind of became a, the the thing. And like I said, like Anthony Gatto, I think had a show out here or something like that. And there were there were flair bartenders that actually met him and went to. His shows and and all this stuff, and really just tried to copy a lot of his patterns for me it even to this day, I can juggle so much better with bottles because of the rotation. I feel like I need the rotation, whereas like if you give me lemons, limes, oranges, I can do your standard like juggle patterns and uh, when a couple variations, but I can do probably ten times more patterns overhanded or bartender grip because i have the rotation so if i throw something behind my back or over my shoulder or columns like i need almost like the the double rotations in it when it when like a lime doesn't rotate i i don't really have the same pattern or technique or rhythm and tempo is that something is that just me am i weird or is that kind of a normal thing i'll ask
1: you this did you learn how to throw bottles first or did you learn how to throw limes first?
0: I learned how to throw bottles first. There
1: it is. That's There it is.
0: The funny thing um, is I actually flared for two years before I ever touched three objects. I, I had actually won a flare competition with two objects. I didn't learn. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. I didn't really learn. Every flare guy
2: right now is like, <laughs> what? Did we, what? I didn't, I didn't learn three this. objects,
0: really. You know? I just, until I moved to Vegas and I opened Kahunaville. And the team we had there was just amazing. So, like, I obviously, starting to compete there, I needed to learn how to juggle. And it wasn't that hard for me to learn how to juggle because I had already had, you know, two objects down pretty good. And the rhythm and timing and tempo. So, adding the third wasn't really that hard. But, yeah, it's just, like, the fun part of it was trying to come up with new patterns and try to sync them. And, And how do you go from one pattern to the next to the next to the next without being repetitive? Because as a flare bartender, you don't want to stand up there on stage and just get in a little async standard juggle pattern because you're just wasting time. And after a while, it's like, okay, we get it. We know you can juggle. Do something. Do something cool. Do something different. Like do something original. Because everybody on the stage can juggle. You know, five
1: minutes might seem like a lot of time, but it ain't.
0: No, it flies by, man. So like, you if you do. A standard juggle and then do like an over the shoulder move and then you get back into a standard juggle for like eight to ten passes and then you do one more move and it's like you're wasting time you need to learn how to like one to the next and around the back over the shoulder columns tomahawk like in and outs like there's just so many things that you can do but tying them together i think is a lot lot more important and beneficial than it is just like doing standard juggles and trying to hit one one They're like move a after flare
2: that. choreography snob
0: Right now, <laughs> but I totally you, 100% agree.
1: Though. You get what I'm saying, yeah. though, right?
0: Like, that's how you yeah. got to do it because it's how much can you pack into a small amount of time? Just like, you know, like you said, circ performers, like they get paid to take that allotted amount of time to like build suspense and build their moves and be able to hold certain moves. And like you said, five minutes is quick when you're trying to do bottle tin, two bottles, two tins in a bottles, three tins in a bottles, two bottles in a tin, three bottles, four bottles and make a drink and do this. Like that's a lot to plug in there.
2: I always gravitated towards watching flare guys though, that like yourself are very comfortable in the entertainment setting. And so it's much more engaging rather than like, I'm so cool. Look at me do this. And I'm like, yeah, but do you have a personality? Like, you know, I love the performance aspect of it. And, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but I think kind of a little bit older flair style has that more so than maybe current flair competitions, things like that. I mean, all of the tricks are cool, but like when you're a performer, it's just a totally different, it brings it to a totally different level.
1: Yeah. I think engagement is the number one thing. Whenever I, whenever I was on on a stage and competing, I wanted to make sure that, um, because I mean, let's be honest, you're Joe Schmo coming into Dave and Buster's uh, that stumbles in watching 12 bartenders flip bottles for four hours. It kind of looks all the same
0: sometimes. They don't give a damn. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> <give a damn. laughs>
1: um, so I was always engaging and trying to do, you know, just stupid shit. I once gave a, threw a Sky bottle to, we were, this was a, in Yay, Omaha, Yay, Sky! Nebraska. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, and we were sponsored by Spearmint Rhino, the one in Nebraska. Nice. Um, The the Gentleman's (laughs) Club. Um, So I had... I threw, at the end of my round. We were sponsored by Sky as well. I threw, you know, I coordinated with one of the uh, exotic dancers to then pour um, vodka into my mouth from uh, a long pour to end it. Um, Fantastic you know, stuff like that. I,
2: Please tell me yeah. you have that. Uh, I'm going to say video. I'm dating myself.
1: <laughs> there, there is I, on YouTube if you somewhere.
0: Remember. There's a video. There's, oh, on we're YouTube, posting
1: I the link. Somewhere. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Um, but yeah, I just. I could yeah, I can go on about that stuff, but I always just like to do dumb stuff I wrote I wrote like Red Bull on my chest, and like when we were sponsored by them,
0: yeah, you um, gotta play to it, man, you gotta play you, to it, that's for you sure, You got
1: to I did i uh threw like one of my songs was like, uh, we've been getting money, about to fuck it up or something, I threw like a hundred ones into the crowd, um that I never yes. got back small price to pay, small price to pay. I think I won that competition. Actually, <laughs> like nice. Maybe you got decision. your money back. <laughs> um, <yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trophies never die. So, you can't spend those
1: exactly. So I've always looked at yeah. When I compete, I always just want to engage and like you know what what Tom said about um, you know g- hitting, choreographing it to where everything plays out well, and just right. kind of trying to keep that engagement because um, when people aren't bored, they cheer more. So yeah,
0: yeah. Right. What I have always kind of worked on. Again, this is when I was doing it. The way it is now, like, people start with three objects and go up from there. Like, it's crazy. But I was always told to kind of build your co- – consistently build your routine in entertainment, and difficulty, and originality. So you do start with, you know, two tins and then a bottle tin and then two bottles. Like, there is a progression. And you always end with your best stuff or hardest stuff or whatever. So you're constantly building that that routine up. But now it's just like – from the three, two, one, go! These dudes are just throwing everything in the kitchen sink. <laughs> okay, yeah.
1: I had to progress down. Actually, I mean, I had some of yeah. the, the stuff that I struggled with immensely was one bottle, one tin, um, because I was so used to like in performing and juggling. Um, you know, you go, you do these patterns, and you go up, and uh, like the four, five, six ball stuff. You're you're doing this stuff, but to do find something. Crazy and fluid to do with two objects. I was like, it, yeah, I was dumbfounded. I was like, well, what, how, what am I going to do with yeah. this? And so it was honestly, it was, you know, it, I took a, put a lot of time and practice into more than my higher level stuff than just one bottle, one tin. Um, and honestly, that's some of my favorite stuff. Some like guys that I look up to, like, you know, Dario actually was one of the first guys that I actually, um, uh, was watching online. Um, you know, when I was 16, 17, right? 18. I'm mean, somewhere along those lines um, when I was first getting into it. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff he just does with like one bottle, one tin is just absolutely incredible. I yeah. have a crazy, crazy story trying to get back over the border from Canada with him, actually, too,
0: that I don't know if I can tell.
2: <laughs> um, oh, no, now you have to tell. There, we'll there's a few edit.
0: Canada crossing the border stories with Mr. Chuck Mack and a couple of them boys back in the day. So there's, but you're not the first one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I'm, oh, I'll just tell it real quick. I don't think he cares. Um, we were in, I'll <laughs> tell him this,
0: this. He's a good friend. I'll tell him. Yeah, Dario yeah. doesn't care.
1: Um, yeah, we were, he had won. I think he had won second. Um, Danilo, I think had won first, but we had, um, Dario, another Flair bartender. Maybe it was Scott Christian. It was somebody. It was, but it was me. So my friend had decided to drive up to Canada. This is sorry this this whole thing was at Super by the way, I was getting ahead of myself, so I drive up to Canada with my buddy from Atlanta, and we pick up in his mom's minivan. We pick up uh on <laughs> his friend in Indianapolis and get to Canada, barely make it into the country wow. for for the time for the competition on the way back. we had us three plus two and Dario was one of those, and we get at the border and the the u s customs agent was. Looks at all of us and we're in this van with like luggage to the gear because we have three <laughs> flare bartenders in it. One Dario has like an Italian passport, but is German born or something? Or has yeah. a German passport or oh, Italian? No, born.
2: here we go.
1: Um and then he's like, Whose van is this? And my buddy's like, Well, it's my mom's and he's like, <laughs> Yeah, just go. Just you're gonna pull over. Pull over, please. Pull yeah. So we pulled over and they like searched everything. And Dario the whole time is going, How much how much cash can I bring over the? Like, how much cash can I bring over the border? Because he just won like, I don't know what it was, a lot of cash, like five grand or something. Um, so yeah, we were just like sitting there sweating for like two hours before we finally they they came back and they're like, all right, you guys are good. Dude, That's I feel like time. Dario
2: finds himself in situations like that a lot. <laughs> 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 oh my
0: God. that is so funny! Great story. I love it. One of the biggest things in Flair was when Rodrigo Delpesh over time hit six bottle columns. What can you do?
2: Ooh.
1: Oh God. Can you um, do more? I bet he nice can't challenge. do it with a chainsaw. Uh, oh
2: God. <laughs> let's let's go,
1: Rodrigo. Shots oh. fired, baby. That's it. Um, no, I don't think I I I've never tried six. I've I've done five before. Um yeah. But he does five. See, all right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag on him, but see. He does five and will flip five in the air, do one pattern and then catch them all. When I do five, it's a continuous pattern. Like that's continuous, how I learned how yeah. to, how to like throw. Like um, acing, Right. And, and I know we talked about this earlier, but when you talk about overhand and underhand grip, when you get into five bottles, you really want to prefer underhand because sure. overhand can get very – a lot of fuckery can happen. Right. Um, so, <laughs> that's a
2: good way to put it. <laughs> but,
1: no, I've seen him do six, and that's wildly impressive, and he's a god, and I'll, you know, bow down, bow down, bow down. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'd like to see him do it with a chainsaw.
2: So uh, woodworking now, that's a – you're yeah. not the first person on this show to be a no. bartender turned work woodworker so i feel like there's more of a connection here than i realize
0: our buddy jason wood yeah he uh started doing some woodworking and he does pins and all that stuff too so yeah it's uh pretty cool is it custom yeah
1: so um i got into it last year it's uh basically it's a lot of custom it's all custom work um and i have a full shop now out here in bishop georgia um but i got into it kind of just i mean during a lot of people say this but like during quarantine i sat there and got drunk for like two weeks playing call of duty (laughs) and was like uh maybe i should do something better with my life um so because this (laughs) thing doesn't look like it's gonna stop anytime soon Hmm. so i started getting into it a little bit um and kind of just bought bought a mold like an epoxy mold and was like oh that's cool let me just try it so i was in my girlfriend's basement just like making like little small stuff i made like a board out of basswood um and uh you know totally fucked it up and was like well that was kind of fun though so i tried it again (laughs) and i had done like basic woodworking stuff like i know how to use like a miter saw and a circular saw and stuff like that just from like growing up my dad would sometimes have like projects around the house but i am by no means or claim to be um like a carpenter or anything like that um at least not yet i'd like to get kind of more into it but i you know learning every day as i progress um but yeah so i i started making these epoxy resin charcuterie boards cutting boards I just completed my first dining table which I sold um, I'm doing coffee tables now and a lot of it is out of um, all, all of it is out of reclaimed wood so I don't use anything oh, wow, that's, that's like cool. um, yeah so I don't use anything that's like people are chopping down um, but I mean I I pay pretty pennies for it because a lot of stuff I have olive wood from like Israel I have like carib wood that's um, from Africa oh shit um, And all of these like beautiful woods. And then I get local stuff like pecan, black walnut, sweet gum, cedar, stuff like that around here. Um, I honestly didn't even know there were
2: that many kinds of wood. This is how much
1: I don't know. I didn't either until last year, to be honest. I heard Um,
0: charcuterie board and I immediately thought Jackie was like, ooh, I want one.
2: I was inside. (laughs) I said it inside. Yeah.
0: Well, I would be happy to produce
1: one for you guys. I could even get like a little laser. etching of uh, Bar Stars, a uh, little I love on it. There. Oh, that would be um, so awesome. So I would be happy to do that for you guys. Uh, but they're not only just charcuterie boards. I've sold them as like serving trays and cocktail trays and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm making a bookshelf right now. Um, it's been it's it's been a learning process, um, but I, I've kind of found just my – I don't. Know, I didn't know I had a passion for this until I like started doing it. Um, I mean, I've always been an ar- entrepreneur. Um, when I was like eight years old, I and was kind of artistic.
0: More. Obviously, like everything you've done has had that creative, artistic side to you.
1: Yeah, and um, I sure. hate this
2: question, but I'm going to do it. What's okay, your sign?
1: Uh, Aries.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Does that I, matter? Well, I, well no. That?
2: I mean, there are some that are more. I don't really know Aries too well. I know Pisces is me. Any water sign is typically kind of more creative or right brain or that kind of thing, as opposed to super linear. And you just seem to like, I mean, your story was like, yeah, one day I just thought I'd do it. And here you are being successful at it. Like that's very go with the flow, you know,
1: I've all, yeah, I've definitely always been go with the flow. Um, I mean, I lived in the British Virgin islands for a number of years. I
0: wanted to get to that. I want to talk about that. That sounds pretty interesting.
2: I'm fucking jealous of that. That's amazing. <laughs>
0: Um,
1: but yeah, I don't know where I was taking what story. Sorry. I um, just was
2: like through the scene. No, the question's yeah. stupid. You say, what's your sign? And everyone, it all goes <laughs> to hell. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, I took it and, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of been, oh, sorry. I've always kind of been an arts, entrepreneur. That's where I was mm. going. Mm-hmm. Like at eight years old, I was learning that while well, people were learning, kids were learning algebra i was learning the inner workings of ebay drop shipping um online i and love was it. selling i was selling ankle bracelets wholesale to like sorority girls on ebay shut up um, i
2: love it swear to god my
1: mom <laughs> still has like a box of the motherfuckers at her house that she can't get rid of oh that's so great. I, I was i wasn't good at logistics at eight years old um, but yeah i mean i've always just kind of been that way um i was partnered with a few bars and um I just didn't find I love bartending but um never really found the industry as a someone who is in charge and you know that side I don't know if I grew out of it or if I just have found something I'm more passionate about um
2: this is actually interesting to, uh expand on that more cuz like I mean I know bars are fun by nature but
0: it's not a career for everybody. Well, you know? right.
2: And I think I sort um when you have your own sort of systems and creative passions, it's you don't always find yourself in the positions necessary to be able to express those. Like you just have to follow the rules and that's it. Like it's a great way to make money, but if you're not in a position where you have that like I'm going to do it this way, then it's aggravating. <laughs> like you don't feel at home maybe is that the right way he- you would put it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you want to get deep into it, I mean, how I always, I always, well, <laughs> here we go. Um, I got thrown into a nightlife in Atlanta at a very young age. Okay. Um, and when you put a lot of money into a 22 year olds yeah. pocket, um, that's how old was I That's how old I was when I first started at like the number one nightclub in Atlanta. Um, and so with all that money came, um, a lot of abuse like i was ripping lines of cocaine in the bathroom and drinking partying um you know one to just stay with uh, keep up with the the schedule like a lot of people do yeah um and you know that was kind of and i've always kind of struggled with that i'm actually sober now Um, good for you i've been been sober since last uh june and i've had a couple times where I've I've drank here and there, but it that kinda stemmed from I lost a good friend of mine last June and then with this business, kind of the combination of it, I was like looking at my bank account going, Holy fuck, I have like five thousand more dollars in my account that I wouldn't have right. if I was drinking. <laughs> right. And so I started taking that money and then just buying power tools and buying all kinds of new stuff and and um you know that I, that energy just started going into there, and so now I I work and I'm in my shop six seven days a week, but I still, um, you know, don't don't uh, drink. Um, and I it's think just, that's a
2: really cool part of your story. And honestly, I think a lot of people. I know we talked with Chris Cardone about this too, but I think a lot of people are. I don't want to say afraid, but like don't necessarily want to. T- talk or share that part of it because it is it I mean when you're young and you're in the industry like even as a girl like it's hard because you are you're around a whole lot of money and you're around a whole different environment than what you're used to and that's that's a tough spot to be in and I think half of us would be lying if they didn't say they fell into that kind of you know temptation I guess I would say
1: yeah and I mean it's I mean, the streets run white in Atlanta. It's uh, it's sure. absurd how, um, you know, many just friend like bar like the bartender, the industry is just um, and it's you know, I I've stepped away, and even stepping away, I just look back in and I'm like, wow, that's just like you know, it's not conducive um, to longevity, right? And for some yeah. people, it, it works and it's good and um. You know, but for me, I was always kind of like chasing that high and I didn't know because I guess, I don't know if you want to go into like therapy mode, maybe I was, I grew up on a stage and had that high, that sure. high of performing you constantly um, for so many years. And yeah. And then so when bartending got, I guess, stagnant for me or just, you know, repetitive, then, I mean, it's a Tuesday night and I'm bartending, you know, with some other dude and we're, you know. Where's that high? So, you know, take a bump in the bathroom and oh, there's that high. There it is. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, I I can't
2: say that I ever like got into drugs like that. But in terms of just being an ex performer, I mean, that was my profession for what, 15 years. You totally miss that like outside yourself, gratification, like that rush. I absolutely understand that like 1000%. So you do, you look for other ways to get that.
1: Yeah. And that's why I don't think if I ever step away from bartending, I don't think, uh, because I still bartend now once a week um, at Buckhead Saloon in Atlanta. Shout out. Um, uh, come see me on Sunday nights. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Quick plug. Um, yeah. So if I ever fully step away from bartending, um, I think I'll still compete because I get that same rush from, you know, that That's the best rush for me right. in bartending that's why I got into bartending was was to compete um just because that was you know that's you get that adrenaline rush there's nothing like it yeah foot on a stage
0: yeah, I'll tell you that i mean i I can confirm that that's i mean i that that rush on stage is awesome and Jackie, you know what that stage rush is like like I remember one one year at quest uh down in Florida in the middle of my round or beginning of my round, whatever it was like the entire club was chanting like USA. Cause I was wearing like a red, white and blue bandana. And I was one of the oh, only God, Americans. The
2: Jesus hair.
0: <laughs> I was one of the only Americans in the finals. And like when you hit a move, the place just erupts and like, it almost just gives you immediate goosebumps. Um, 100%. I'm I think it's goosebumps. interesting. Listen to you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Me interesting too. that you bring up the story when you were young and all the money you came into, um, My story is very similar actually. And I was going to say that like I got transferred to Las Vegas, uh, with Kahunaville to open another Kahunaville when I was 21. I mean, I was 21 for five months. And so I come out here to Las Vegas and we open and I've never seen that much money. And it's like, I'm working with older people, you know, bartenders that are older than me. I was always kind of the young kid. Um,
2: Yeah, but you're 21, and you look like that, and someone gave you a bunch of money and dropped you in the middle of Vegas. So, you know? (laughs) I I mean, to be
0: very honest with you, like, you know, I was no stranger to late nights at strip clubs and bars and and places that I probably shouldn't have been sometimes because I had never – and buying shit that I shouldn't have bought. Just because I had money, like, going out, we'd go out and – on a day off or night after work or whatever, and just walk by a blackjack table and play a hundred dollar bill of hand and keep walking. Like it was just dumb. It was ridiculous actually, but you get that. Like I got to work all the time. So like, I can't tell you how much energy drinks and shit that you just keep, keep you up and you just got to keep going and going and going. And at the end of the year, I said, I need to go back to Michigan cause I just, I got it. I got to get the hell out of here. So I, I went back to Michigan the plan was to go back to Michigan to run the, the bar back there, and my best friend flew out, and we we're gonna drive back cross country. And I can't even tell you how much money I made in that first year that we opened Coonaville. My friend was six four, two forty. I had a Mitsubishi Eclipse, two door Mitsubishi Eclipse, <laughs> and everything I owned to my name fit in that car. Like I had nothing to show for all that money that I made, yeah. and all that hard work I had, and I went back to Michigan, started running the bar back there, and I was like, you know what? Like I don't, I don't want to go back to Vegas. Fuck that. Like that, that's cool. I saw it on TV my whole life growing up. I was like, I got to go to Vegas. I got to Vegas. It chewed me up, spit me out. I don't want to go back. And then I got the uh, job offer from the Rio about six, eight months later, and I initially turned it down. I was like, "There, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go back to Vegas because I'm going to fall right back into that that pattern. And then my dad, being in the bar business his whole life, said, I don't want you to leave again. But if, you, if you're going to be in the bar business, if you're going to be a bartender, that's where you got to be if you want to make money. So he's like, if you can go there and just kind of do a little bit better things and make a little bit better choices, um, then do it. So... I decided to do it and I've been out here ever since, but I totally get that. I get that. Like, what do I do with all this money and what do I do with all this time? And what do I do with all these new opportunities and these new things? Like I totally get that, man.
2: I mean, to be honest, I think you see it even with the young athletes, kids that, you know, nowadays
0: there's a money manager. Like these kids, we just had the NFL draft. Yeah, exactly. These kids sign these giant contracts and half of them go broke in like five years.
2: Well, yeah, because who really tells you right away, like, how to make smart choices? And to be honest, at that age, like, if any of us – if anybody had said, like, you know, you really should be doing this, we would have been like, fuck you. This is way fuck more you. fun. Like, yeah. you weren't going to listen.
0: <laughs> no, of course not.
2: So experience you gotta is You got to learn. Great, Live and yeah, learn for sure. Yeah, experience is the greatest teacher. But, yeah, I mean, you just – you grow and you're like, oh, okay. So there's a moment. There's a moment for everyone and they're like, this has got to be different. So – yeah, it's I interesting think I, to hear what yours is.
1: Yeah, I think I knew I had to, and and just the the nightlife in general, in kind of the um, Buckhead Atlanta area is just not really like everyone coming into the bar are not. Let me just put it this way: everyone coming into the bar aren't people that I would ever hang out with. You know sure. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So sure. I was, I felt almost fake. Um, like, and I the staff was amazing. Some of my still friends to this day. Um. Uh. You know. I. I love. But just the. The people. It was that. Um. Let me buy. I'm sure you get the same thing in Vegas. But let me buy five thousand dollars and. Um. For two bottles and put all these girls in my arm and put this on my Instagram and. Um. It was just like every and walk, walk out. Walk <laughs> out. Yeah, and I'm right. like, cool. He, I mean, he tipped us well, but it's just like I don't know. I want. I. I. I was left like not having a connection with. The people that I was serving right, um, which is sort of why I left Atlanta at that point and went as far as I could away um, to Alaska actually um, and shit. i lived I lived in Alaska for um, uh, for a summer season up there for about four months, and just kind of um, you know I'd never been to Alaska um, period. Um,
2: So, wait, you just said, did you know someone or was that one of those like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to go to Alaska? I
1: did not know anybody. I did some research online about bartenders making good money during the summer uh, salmon season in Bristol Bay. um, Because you have like, you know, fishermen that have 10 grand cash in their back pocket and they haven't drank a beer in like three weeks um, because they've been on a boat. So, they come in there just like spending money. Wow. Um, and I wouldn't so even was, think that. That's crazy. It was a it was a very big change from where I was bartending in Atlanta, um, but I, I enjoyed it, and uh, it was, you know, I've always and I I was I've always been, you know, my girlfriend always thinks I'm gonna she's gonna wake up and I'm gonna be gone in like Prague or something. <laughs> um, I think Tom and be like, hey babe, I have a me. job. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I feel that too. Just because it's interesting. I don't know. Some people are nomads. Some people aren't. I, I mean. I know everyone's heard this, so I won't talk about it. But like the first thing I ever did, I was 18. I moved to Asia. Like once you do it once, it's just cool to see other places. And you realize just how big the world is. And sometimes when you're like, Hey, my surroundings aren't working for me. How easy is it to just get on a plane and find somewhere else? Like it's, it's fun. It's addicting almost.
1: And you learn, I, I firmly believe that, um, travel and experiences that you get through those, um, through through traveling is worth way more than any degree you can ever find. One thousand percent, one thousand. I've, I've learned so much through, you know, just traveling and seeing other people's cultures and, um, how they, from how they cook food to, um, you know, how they make their bed in the morning. Everything's just so, it's so different and people are just so, um, you know, not to hate on America or anything. America's great, but, um, Seeing different places and there's a lot of culture cultures that a yeah. lot of
0: a lot of people don't see, including myself. So I'm not I'm not as cultured as I I definitely could be.
2: A, I think it gives you an, a a perspective is the word I'm looking for, um, on how the rest of the world does see Americans. You know, on a general level, and you're like, "Whoa, ew, we're rude, we're loud, we're selfish, <laughs> we're like gluttonous." Like, I see it, but I yeah. mean, if, unless you kind of step out you never really know you know
1: this is true favorite place
2: favorite, favorite place, place, place. Ever
1: um i mean i lived on if you want to get into anagata and the bvi that was going to be my that's probably my favorite place <laughs> um whistler in vancouver is amazing iceland Reykjavik. i highly recommend iceland um jesus i wound I've up heard that yeah i wound up um I I went on one of those golden circle tours, which I highly recommend. And then I made friends with the tour bus driver who's, he was about my age, this guy. Um, and, uh, at the end of the trip, I was like, well, like, you know, it's, it's seven, eight o'clock at night. I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you up to tonight? Cause I was traveling by myself. Like I usually do. Um, and he was like, I don't know. Um, and I was like, uh, do you want to go get a beer? And he was like, sure. So we went and we, you know, he showed me around the town and um took me to this like crazy burger spot and um like little time that no place that you would ever go to if you were an actual tourist. It was like covered in like 70s newspapers and it was the size of like this room. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and then we ended up at this underground Icelandic lip syncing competition Um wow. where I sat there and literally listened to... Icelandic and norwegian people sing britney spears um in lip sync oh for like this four the hours
2: greatest story ever! i hope and they had uh,
0: a lot of whiskey there cause
1: it was it yes it's very expensive um alcohol is crazy expensive there i mean it's an island in the middle of nowhere so it makes sense
0: but i actually heard a story randomly about iceland and i don't know how true this is but like iceland and greenland like the Vikings found Iceland and they loved it so much that they didn't want anybody to go there, so they called it Iceland, and then Greenland was actually the cold one. They wanted everybody to go to Greenland, and that's the cold one, and Iceland's actually the really nice one.
1: I think that is true, yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Yeah, awesome. Iceland's Iceland's beautiful. Um did like hike to the waterfalls, saw the black sand beaches on Vic. Um wow. and they're they're talk about cultures. They have a whole culture of like fairies and like um, elves and stuff. They have these rocks that they believe, like, elves have inhabited and built, like, it's cool. I mean, I think it's fascinating, like, folklore yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, check it out for sure. We're um, selling
2: our house and getting back
1: to <laughs> and That's it. <laughs> right now.
2: i <laughs> are totally into it.
0: That's awesome, my man. Well, speaking of getting to know people, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, let's play a little game we call Fill the Seats. All right, all right. All right. Jackie, let them know the uh, well, rules like and regulations. Well, I think,
2: since you're a fan, you know how it I, works. But... I kind
1: of know. You can tell me the rules one more time. but okay. I, uh, uh, I, I may I change know. them.
2: Watch out. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, you get three seats at your bar uh, or a bar that you've worked, made yourself. Who knows? Uh, dead or alive? We try not to do family just because I feel like everybody has their own family list of people they'd like to bring back. But um, who would you like to bartend for and why? Like your ultimate guest list?
1: Okay, so I did. I did already do. I thought about this a little. Oh, he bit. He sounds um, like he already
0: has them lined up. Because
1: I, like, I know. Boom, well, I went. Great. I went back and forth <laughs> about a few of them. Um, number one is Robin Williams. Um, oh, that's but, a great one. Yeah, that really. I is. I think he would be probably like if I could only choose one, it would probably be him. Mm-hmm. Um, my father was a huge fan of his. I was a huge fan of his growing up. Um, and then you know when he unfortunately passed away that i mean that kid i I, that really killed me i usually don't like get phased by celebrity deaths but um when he passed i was like fuck Um, yeah so but yeah dead poet society and all of his comedic genius i mean he truly was a comedic genius and being able to um you know serve him would be absolutely amazing. That's such a, um,
2: that's a brilliant choice. I, when I was little, my parents would watch re, uh, reruns of Mork and Mindy.
1: Yeah. And I
2: <laughs> I don't laugh out loud at a lot. And for whatever reason, he will just make me just giggle. And it's really interesting to me. I mean, I, c- I always want to know why people are the way they are. But it was really interesting and shocking that when he passed away, kind of what really was going on with him internally and how that played out. and I feel like that I mean, obviously, I wish it hasn't hadn't happened, but I felt like him in particular and his story coming out almost gave gave way for us to like normalize and talk about depression and anxiety a little bit more. I mean, maybe I'm making that up big, but I feel like everyone just could see him as somebody that was relatable and they loved him. And so how could that even be? And well, but it is. And I think it's something we're not even talking about. I mean, that, that was baffling to me. That was hard.
1: Yeah, it was a hundred percent. It was, uh, that was a hard one. I, I, and I don't mean to be a Debbie downer again, but my number two is also deceased. Um, Anthony Bourdain, I think would be, I think that's um,
0: Jackie's number one. Is that your number one? Okay. But it makes sense yeah.
2: because of the way that you you said something interesting. It's early, kind of
0: the same thing actually.
2: Yeah. Um but you also said, "Oh, you know, you travel solo a lot." Well, number one, I think that's cool as hell cuz a lot of people don't really know how to be alone and I think it's just fun if you, you know, when you enjoy doing stuff like that and seeing the world. But he had the best job ever. Ever 100%. in life that's it for me. And I feel like I hear that out of you too. And you know, he does unfortunately have that same sort of struggle with addiction and mental health issues. And I just, I would love to hear his stories and just sit and drink. Like he would be the most fun in a bar.
1: Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I've watched his, his book actually. Um, And, I can't remember the freaking name of it. it just left my head. One of them. Um, I've read all of them, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've read all his books and that was like 10 years ago and, yeah. um, just kind of fell in love with him and then watching him on TV and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, um, his personality, you know, it's just amazing.
0: You're starting yeah, to so. see a lot more of his quotes when we're coming out of COVID and with bars and restaurants and the service industry hurting and I mean, people just doing shitty Yelp reviews and dogging on certain places and just bagging on restaurants and bars. And it's like the people that are in the industry are now starting to put out a lot of Anthony Bourdain quotes and stuff. Because, I mean, there's nothing I don't know that he loved more than the service industry. And he didn't like people that didn't like the service industry and, and <laughs> took care of it you know, and took care of the people in it. So you're starting to see a lot, a lot more of that around because it makes sense now. You
1: yeah. know. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So number numero trace. Uh this one you guys I know you probably won't know who he is. Um he his his name is Red Skelton. Um, he was a vaudeville performer. Um I've heard of him. You've heard of him? Okay. I've heard of him. Um yeah, he was a vaudeville performer and, and clown way back way and um and my dad it was one of my dad's influences and um I would have loved to just meet him and kind of, uh, you know, see what he was all about because he influenced my father so much that, um, you know, I, I would just love to see how he ticked and like, you know, and he was an amazing performer. Um, so my dad owns like all of his collections and, and kind of, he's, he was one of the reasons my dad got into performing. Um, so to
0: be able to sit, you know, with him at a bar would be just awesome. I think that's the one question that that everybody would love to ask these people that you put at your bar is that you either look up to or you respect is what makes you tick. What makes you tick and what makes you like a lot of people have said Jim Carrey and, and to get inside the mind of someone like that or a Robin Williams or even an Anthony Bourdain, like there's something in there that makes them different that so many millions of people look up to. And that's what makes this game fun. You know, you can get to definitely get to learn a little bit of something about Somebody through this game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um you said that you spent some time in the British Virgin Islands.
0: Yeah. Um How'd I can you talk
2: about
1: the, talk about that for a minute. I was okay. actually um I was I was in Alaska, um, and it got my short answer is what I tell told all the tourists down there, when they were asked, <laughs> How how the hell did you end up down here? I'm like, <laughs> Well, I was bartending in Alaska and it got cold. Um, <laughs> well, it's believable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I was, the season had, had finished in Alaska and I was kind of looking for a different move and I had, I mean, the, the Caribbean had always kind of been on my radar, um, for a place to like move to and, and, uh, do that. So I literally got on Craigslist, I it's think. the
0: whole cocktail thing, man. Just yeah. Open a bar I mean, on the beach, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a, literally, I yeah, I pretty <laughs> right. much, I did that. Um, but yeah, I, I found an ad on Craigslist this bar called the Wonky Dog um, on Anagata. Oh, the name is so good. And, and um, it was on Anagata, which is in the British Virgin Islands. It is the northernmost island in that island chain, and it is the least populated island um, out of the Mazer Islands. There huh. are 220 people that live on that island, Holy roughly. Shit. Um, not that many, like probably half that during the uh, slow season. Um, but I got on a... I'd never been to anywhere in the Caribbean um i contacted these people kind of told them what i did um and the next thing i knew i was on a plane and i got down there and they put like i had staff housing um and i mean i had a full-blown panic attack like day one
0: um <laughs> sure i would have too. I'm like, having one listening to it
1: yeah and was like fuck i just moved you know, everything away. And I had the same panic attack in Alaska. I mean, I almost get off on that. Um, I'm going to assume you're single
0: during these times. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, by week two, I knew everybody on the Island and, you know, half of them were my best friends. Um, and, uh, just went right into it. And I mean, talk about work. I mean I was I was ten AM I was there. Um you know, bartending during the day, we bartend during the night, and I mean it gets it's crazy there. Um the amount of money you can make, the um it's it's I'm working six days a week from open to close basically and you have Even one day with an off.
2: Island of two hundred people it's really like it's, an, I would it, never guess that it would be an opportunity s- to make
1: money. So where we were um I's the uh no, it's the sailing capital of the world so our biggest revenue is people flying in on vacation they charter these massive boats these sailboats and then they sail around the the bvi and most of the routes our busiest day was on tuesday um, because most of the routes that the sailors took them on um, they ended up and these are like seven day charters so you get on a boat you, you it's usually about 10 people you uh you stay on the boat you sometimes have a chef if you're Really loaded, um, and they take you all around these places. So on Tuesday nights, we we would have booked. Usually, I wouldn't be able to take another table for dinner by like ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. Sometimes the day prior for for Tuesday, oh, wow. Tuesday nights. Um, and when these guys found out like my background, like performing wise, I mean, they just we we dove into it. I was doing um, fire shows every single night for oh, the that's tourists. Great, man. Um, you know, on the beach, spitting fire, um, and just, uh,
2: dream.
0: Yeah. That's so, um, that's such an awesome image. Yeah.
1: It was, I mean, it was incredible. I, I lived on a boat for a little while. I had a 28 um, Birds from Sport Fishing yacht that I lived on that I bought cash, um, and, uh, lived on it for a little while right there in the anchorage. So I would take my dinghy back and forth to the dock to work. (laughs) Um, And then I had a 26 San Juan sailing uh, sailboat that actually got wiped away in Irma um, because I was, you know, I wasn't actually on the island for Irma. Um, I was on because at that point, I usually take my vacation in September. So I had just left like the week prior and then Irma hits and just like, you know. So your
2: vacation was planned. You didn't like leave because of Irma.
1: No, no. I was – September, because of hurricane season, we actually shut right. down. Um, okay. And that's, like, the peak of hurricane season, August, September. I would usually take the the two months off. We work six days a week for, like, ten months, but then we get, like, two months off. Um So I took those two months off, and I was up in Michigan, actually. I remember when it happened, and just, like, frantically trying to message people down there. And, like, you know, because a lot of the locals that were some of my really good friends, I mean, they just got absolutely just – Fucked. Oh. Um luckily no nobody um that I knew um died or anybody on Inagata, but um it was just it was a massacre down there. Um but it was uh yeah. But then oh. I came back and we did it all again. We rebuilt and and uh I mean luckily with an island like that, it doesn't really take much to rebuild. Um you just kinda put the concrete back up and put a roof over your head. Right. You right. Keep serving.
2: So ultimately, why why don't you still live there,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> girlfriend? Um, <laughs>
2: maybe that would be a great answer too.
1: That would be a great answer. It's uh, in all honesty, it's because of my father. Um, he's he's not in the. Yeah, you know, he's not getting any younger. Um, sure. I won't go into full details on this podcast, but he's not getting any younger. And um, I realized through traveling and stuff and being away for so long that I was kind of losing precious moments with, with not only him, but my mother. And uh, my my brother has four kids, another one on the way. Um, so getting wow. to spend time with them, um, you know, it's, traveling is amazing and it's amazing experiences, but it kind of, you know, it, it's there's matters, it's a double-edged too. sword, yeah. you know, because yeah. you still have uh people at home that love you and and that you want to spend time with as well so um i came back because of them and um just to kind of you know focus and and now it's led me into something that i truly enjoy doing and uh will continue to do at southern river tables on instagram uh uh Southern River Tables on Facebook, www.southernrivertables.com
0: <laughs> online. Sorry, quick plug. Oh, my God. No, there we'll you plug go. you everywhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you're just doing our job for us. It's great. There you go.
0: But that's, uh, I, I think, in the last year, um, the most important lesson that we can take from that is that the most valuable thing in the world is time, and you can't get it back. And so things like you just said, moving back for certain reasons, and you feel like you're missing you know, parts of people's lives because time is important. And any way you look at it, it's valuable and it's the most important thing. And that's why uh we want to thank you for spending this time with us. It's been awesome. One of the most interesting interviews I think we've had. I agree. And I definitely want to have you back on and get into some other shit. I feel like you got a lot more stories in there.
1: You're just hitting the surface with me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I want to thank Brian Brewbreaker for definitely uh introducing us uh because this has been an incredible interview so thank you so much for spending some time with us man yeah we have a
1: absolutely friend. thanks guys i'll be out uh hopefully i'll be out in vegas and we can do this in person
0: absolutely you come to vegas you let us know they definitely contact us and uh if nothing else we'll just go out and have a good time but you can come to come to our new bar and we'll probably do this on location to get another episode in so. Hell
1: yeah. I I hear you're a good golfer and I'm I'm sort of into golf too. So
0: Amazing. Uh, uh, let's yeah. set it up. We'll de- we'll, we'll definitely get them. out and play for sure. I could use more <laughs> golf days, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, buddy. Y'all gotta follow this dude at Southern River Tables on Instagram, southernrivertables.com. And just check out his work. It is bomb. His work is just beautiful. The carrying trays and just everything he does with the wood is just, I mean, it's immaculate. So Southern River Tables, Aaron Pierce, you're killing it, buddy. Uh, Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. This has been an incredibly interesting and fun interview. We truly, truly appreciate your time. Connect with us. Go to BarStarsPodcast.com and send us an email. Say, we love what you guys are doing or... You know, send us an email, what you would like to see on the show, and you know, things that we could do a little bit differently, or people you think should be on the show because they are a Bar Star to you. Those are the people we want to know, we want to meet, and we want everybody to meet. Follow at Barstars Podcast on Instagram for all our content, and we definitely want to give a shout out to Erica Krupp and Rx Plus Massage. They, again, are incredible. We can't speak enough about them. Definitely check them out. It's getting into summertime. It's getting into the pool season. You want to get your shit right, and she will fix your shit. Um, Get them knots out. Feel better about yourself. We're coming into summer, and go into summer with a massage. All Bar Stars listeners will get $10 off. So visit Erica Krupp and Rx Plus Massage. Follow them at Rx Plus Massage on Instagram. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you next week with an incredible interview from someone right here in Las Vegas. Until next time, everybody. Cheers.
2: I that he went to Atlanta, although I know he's from there. But are the chicken wings good?
1: Okay. Fly to Atlanta. Yeah. Get out of the airport. (laughs) Yeah. Get in an Uber. Go to Magic City. Yeah, get I've heard. The lemon, get the lemon pepper hot. It'll change your fucking life.
2: Will it really? This is so great, Tom. Well, Tom, we're going to a strip club. That's fine with you. It's fine.
0: I'm I'm good with that.